faithwire.com. The Supreme Court is denying the bid to block New York's vaccine mandate. Today is Tuesday, December 14th, 2021, and I am not Dan Andros. Uh, I'm Trey Gordons Phillips, and we will have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast with CBN's Faithwire. Our fearless leader is out today, so you're just going to have to deal with Billy and I. Uh, but we're going to talk about several stories and give you three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. That's what we do here. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, we're here every day. We would love for you to join us. Uh, Dan is usually here every day, but he's taking a day so off for, for much needed vacation. I know, uh, but he he works hard. He needs he needs a day off. Yeah, and this is fun. We get to take over the show today, so this is right. Good. Yeah, <laughs> so hopefully we don't burn it all down, and Dan will be will yeah. be back with us soon. Well, so we're going to talk about a couple of stories. The other one we're going to hit is this California Governor Gavin Newsom. He has been very inspired by the Texas abortion law and not in a way that conservatives are going to be pleased with. So we'll dive into the new crackdowns on guns that he's going to be aiming for. I feel like that's a story that has not gotten much attention at all. So I'm really interested to hear what exactly is going on on the other side of the country, because I'm just here in Virginia in my little bubble, and I forget that there are are crazy things happening over in California all the time. Oh, yes. Wild, wild things. And this is definitely (laughs) and and I don't want to spoil the story, but it's kind of the thing that everyone warned about when it came to the Texas abortion law that would happen other places. That's Mm -hmm. the thing that's now coming true. So, yeah. All right. And then we're going to wrap up talking about the percentage of Americans who celebrate Christmas Uh, And the results might surprise you. We talked a little bit about this uh, a few days ago on the podcast, uh, but we'll get into more of the details of a new survey from LifeWay Research. So, all right, we're going to start right in with uh, the top story, which is the Supreme Court denying a bid to prevent the enforcement of New York vaccines or New York's vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. So, yesterday, the Supreme Court rejected two emergency bids seeking to prevent enforcement of the state's vaccine mandate for health workers. Uh, so, right now, the the rule, which is still in effect, it applies to workers in hospitals and nursing homes, health home agencies, adult centers, as well as hospice care facilities. Uh, and the there had been a lawsuit filed and they wanted the Supreme Court to take it up. But uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who oversees cases in New York, uh, she essentially said that the court is just not going to hear arguments on that right now. So the mandate stays in effect, which is interesting because it comes amid all kinds of challenges to President Biden's vaccine mandate. But the court is not completely in agreement. Uh, So Neil Gorsuch, he noted, even if one were to read the state's actions as something other than signs of animus, they leave little doubt that the revised mandate was specifically directed to the applicant's unorthodox religious beliefs and practices. So he's talking about the people who sought religious exemptions and wanted to not be, uh, you know, not have to get vaccinated for religious exemption reasons. Uh, But they're, you know, they're, they're foregoing that for the time being. He also added that other states have found other ways to satisfy its COVID-19 public health goals without coercing religious objectors to accept a vaccine. So CNBC was one of the first outlets to report uh, the high court's decision. And the challenge was filed by a group of, the initial challenge, I mean, was filed by a group of 20 doctors and nurses who argued that the state's vaccine mandate, particularly when they're not being allowed religious exemptions, or when they're being so narrowly allowed, uh, violates the First Amendment of the Constitution because it fails to include people's 
religious freedom. Uh, the request for an injunction has been presented uh, and was given, like I said, to Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, she's assigned to handle all the cases out of New York. And then uh, again, she just denied it. The ones who disagreed with Sotomayor were Justice Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, uh, and Samuel Alito, uh, which are three of the court's six-member conservative majority on the high court. Uh, they said that they would have blocked the mandate, particularly given what's going on, like I said, with the legal challenges uh, for Biden's overall mandate. Uh, so that's interesting to see what's going to happen here with this case. And it's interesting, Billy, to see what might happen ultimately uh, with with this issue, given that there are so many lawsuits right now that are being considered uh, and and what you know, what kind of weight will this have on on any ultimate decision as far as why is it why does it matter i I think that's obvious there are people who have religious reasons for not getting vaccination and then also something too that we have to consider and this is something that several doctors have talked about and i want to get your thoughts on this billy is is people who have said uh, i'm not against vaccination i'm just not vaccinated right now because a lot of healthcare workers have said, I had COVID uh, and I recovered from it and I've got natural immunity. Even Jedediah Bila, she said that that's the reason she's foregone vaccination is because she has natural immunity. And so there are people who are arguing, I don't want a religious exemption. I should have a medical exemption because I've had COVID and I recovered from it uh, and I've, I've taken antibody tests consistently and I have them. Uh, so obviously neither one of us are doctors, so we can't speak to that side of the of the debate. But but what do you think? I mean, should there be more nuance to to this issue? Yeah, you know, it's it's remarkable to me. I can't think of another issue, and I'm sure there are, I'm just not thinking of them, that is as, you know, repudiated, and there's so many people across the country in different locations fighting for this, this right to not be mandated to get the vaccine. The only other issue that it reminds me of are sort of like the Baker cases, right? The photographers, mm-hmm. when it comes to same-sex weddings, you've got a million different cases, and, you know, in, in that particular instance, the court also kind of volleyed it back to lower courts. You know, at least they heard, you know, one of those cases, but they really didn't give a ruling on it. And to me, I mean, at some point you have to rule on it, right? It would seem that way. You can't just continue to ignore it uh, because you're going to have a patchwork of chaos around the country with governors not allowing mandates, other places, you know, instilling mandates. It really seems like one of those strange freedom issues that needs to be settled somehow. Um, and yeah. maybe it's just, and, and here's the thing, maybe it's a challenge from another area where there's a different justice who has the ability to, you know, respond that maybe this will change. I don't know, but, but to me, you've got to settle this, right? You can't let it continue to fester. And I think another layer to this that's not getting a whole lot of attention, though it's starting to get some traction now, uh, is the number of hospitals uh, and medical systems that are actually pulling their mandate, not because of any sort of legal challenges. They're pulling their mandate because they can't get enough medical workers. They can't get nurses to come to work. They're leaving or they're protesting or whatever. So they're pulling these mandates, at least temporarily, just to get people to come back to work. And that's something that even Justice Gorsuch mentioned. He said, now thousands of New York healthcare workers face the loss of their jobs and eligibility for unemployment benefits. Uh, he was obviously uh, disagreeing with uh, Sonia Sotomayor's decision uh, to forego hearing this case for the time being. So it's interesting to see that there are so many layers to this debate. And it's not just about religious exemption. Like I said, it's about medical exemption. And then also just the economic uh, ramifications of this by by saying, you know, you have to be vaccinated and there's so many people leaving work. 
it, it makes you wonder is is the economy capable of fixing this itself right like well, if, yeah. if there are enough yeah. of these mandates in place and enough people just protest them it's like okay well we need medical workers uh, so will this just work itself out i don't know that's something to that we'll have to wait and see on well, when you're calling the National Guard in to different places, right, right. Yeah. Um, to to work in a hospital or a doctor's office or to to provide medical care, yeah, that's a that's a real problem. Now, there are places in the country where they were estimating, you know, the NYPD, for instance, that you're going to have massive resistance, and there wasn't. But there are right. clearly places where we are seeing resistance, and you know, with all the other issues that we have going on in our culture and in our society, and with the mantra to follow the science, it seems like some of these. You know these regulations don't necessarily do that. They don't. They don't necessarily follow all the science. And there are lots of different reasons why people might resist a vaccine. And so it just seems to me that the court has a duty at some point to help settle the angst and the chaos and the uncertainty. But you're right; it, it could be settled on its own. We may see people say, "Okay, you know what? This was a bad idea. We need to pull back on it because we don't have healthcare workers." Right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. It's definitely something that we'll continue to cover at CBN and Faithwire. Uh, but Billy, what do you have for our next story? All right. Now, this is a very, very interesting story out of California. Now, I want to start with the Texas abortion law. We've talked about this on the show before. This is a very interesting law that essentially bans abortion at the six-week mark. When you can detect a fetal heartbeat, it's basically a heartbeat bill. These have been passed in lots of locations around the country, but none of them have stuck. This has stuck. And it's different, though, from some of the other laws that we've seen in the past, and here is why. It gets around the normal method through which people will wage legal battles. And to give some context, rather than allowing people to sue or hold state officials responsible to enforcing laws, this particular law in Texas actually empowers citizens to go after others who are not in government. So they can sue abortion doctors. They can sue those who assist in the abortion process. And that's a very different way of handling things. So we have to start there. That is how that law works in Texas. And a lot of people, including people on the high court, have had issues with this law and have expressed concern with the fact that, hey, this can be used. Great. You want to use this for abortion. And this has been one of the warnings that even people on the pro-life side, some people have had. You can use this for abortion and you can allow people to sue their fellow citizens over it and doctors and whatnot. But what happens if this becomes something that is used by other people on other issues? And so mm. that's where we end up bringing in California Governor Gavin Newsom. Um, he has been inspired by the Texas law. <laughs> and, and in a very, very bizarre way, he's decided that rather than banning abortions, and for those who are paying attention, he has actually pledged to make California a sanctuary state for abortion if Roe versus Wade is overturned. He is setting his sights on firearms. Now, he said on Saturday that he plans to give private citizens the power to sue to try to ban the sale and production of, quote, assault weapons in California. Now, he put out this strongly worded statement, and I want to just read part of it. He said, quote, I am outraged by yesterday's U.S. Supreme Court decision allowing Texas's ban on most abortion services to remain in place and largely endorsing Texas's scheme to, to insulate its law from the fundamental protections of Roe v. Wade. But if states can now shield their laws from review by the federal courts that compare assault weapons to Swiss Army knives, then California will use that authority to protect people's lives where Texas used it to put women in harm's way. So what is he saying here? He is saying that he is going to allow people 
to essentially sue. Private citizens will be able to seek injunctive relief and statutory damages of at least $10,000 per violation plus the cost of attorney fees and all that um, for anyone or against anyone rather who manufactures, distributes, or sells an assault weapon or a ghost gun kit in California. So basically it's the same thing that Texas is doing with abortion. He wants to do with gun manufacturers, allowing people to sue them. This is kind of fascinating. Here's why it matters. It's the, it's a little bit of the slippery slope that people warned about, right? When you have individuals suing and they're empowered by a law to, to take the law into their own hands and sue to make sure that something goes a certain way. Well, you're going to have people use this on other issues other than abortion. And so right now it looks like that's what he's working on in California. So I, I don't know what you think, Trey, but it seems to me like, again, a, a pretty slippery slope. Yeah. And it's really, really interesting to see the way that this law, and it's it's what so many, like you said, Billy, warned might happen, uh, but already to see a state like California seeing the problems potentially with the Texas law, uh, you know, the constitutional issues that conservatives might have and using them to their advantage, uh, which I, I just pulled up a, a statement from the Firearms Policy Coalition. Uh, they filed a brief actually with the Supreme Court and were one of the ones opposing the Texas law, which is kind of interesting. It probably raised a few eyebrows to see why is a Second Amendment group raising an issue uh, over a Texas abortion law, uh, but they were kind of foreshadowing what is happening now. This is what they said in a statement to the high court. If Texas succeeds in its gambit here, referring to the Texas abortion law, New York, California, New Jersey, and others will not be far behind in adopting equally aggressive gambits to not merely chill, but to freeze the right to keep and bear arms. That was attorney uh, Eric Jaff uh, for the Firearms Policy Coalition. So it's interesting that he was kind of foreshadowing uh, what's now happening right now. And even the NRA just released a statement yesterday saying Governor Gavin Newsom misunderstands the actions of the Supreme Court and the limits of his war on lawful gun ownership. His promise to run roughshod over the Second Amendment is little more than political theater. He and fellow Democrats should proceed at their own peril. The American people will not tolerate another taxpayer-funded assault on constitutional freedom. So it's interesting to see People one that it that it put the Texas law potentially is a slippery slope, right? But two to see that people are already quickly sliding down it. Uh, so we'll see oh, yeah. what happens with the legislature because this is this is certainly kind of an I told you so moment. I think for the conservatives who have said I'm all for the end goal uh, of eliminating abortion, but I'm not sure that this was the best route to achieve that goal. Well, and and this is, you know, obviously what sparked this was the Supreme Court, essentially, which was in his quote, but I want to make sure people understand this, essentially ruling that the Texas law can go forward, mm-hmm. but but that providers can also sue to defend themselves, right? Abortion providers. So, you know, you got to wonder, you know, does that then apply to, <laughs> to guns? If this happens with guns, do the, can the manufacturers, you know, sue to stop as well? I don't know. Listen, this is... Part of the chaos that we have, I think, in our culture is not thinking through the ramifications of policy. And this, to me, you could have taken a step back from it, right? There's the excitement of, oh, wow, we've come up with something really creative that nobody else has come up with. Okay, that's great. But what happens if? And there were people warning of that. And we don't know where this is going to go. He's threatening this. He put out a statement. Who knows what what Newsom's actually going to do? But he's just the first. I'm sure there will be many, many others who try to do similar things on other issues as well. It just, yeah, people are just skiing down the hill of insanity <laughs> gleefully. I think 
I think an important thing to keep in mind, though, is particularly as Christians, is to keep an even head about some of this stuff. One, because we we obviously know that Christ is still king and, and all of that, but also because we have to realize that a lot of these politicians, kind of to your point, Billy, we live in this Twitter culture uh, where everything is just a few characters and it happens instantaneously and they're looking for quick wins. Uh, I think people are just like Newsom is throwing red meat to his base, just like Texas may have been throwing red meat to their base. They're, they're politicians. Not to say that everything, I don't want to be too cynical and say that there, there's no good intentions with this stuff, but you have to factor in that so many of these politicians are just looking for wins to to get reelected, right? Uh, so, you have to, to remember, okay, let, let's see, let, let's slow this process down and let's see, is this actually uh, the best decision? And ultimately now, since the law is, is what it is, it's going to be for the courts to, to kind of figure out. Uh, it's interesting how the Supreme Court has chosen to rule on this, so we'll see, or not rule on this, so we'll see uh, what happens with this issue. But uh, yeah, I, I can't help but think, like you said, that they're going to Politicians are going to keep sliding and skiing down this uh, down this slippery slope with like every <laughs> issue known to humanity. They yeah. live insanity. Uh, it's wonderful. So, all right, we're going to end on a. I, I don't know. I guess it's a happier. It's a Christmas note, I should say. So you know, it's it's an interesting survey. We talked briefly about it the other day, but how many Americans actually celebrate Christmas? Uh, so this is what the survey said. I'll start here. Ninety one percent of Americans. Christian or non-Christian Billy said that they celebrate Christmas. Uh, that's unchanged from 2010 when Lifeway looked at this uh, at this issue then too. Uh, so the vast majority of Americans of all religious beliefs or none at all celebrate Christmas. But this is what's interesting and, and perhaps a little bit sad. Only 22% said that they can accurately describe the biblical story. Oh, but I, they can name every about? Kardashian, but they could right, probably like, name. What it. do you what do you think about the fact that all of these Americans are celebrating Christmas, which is great? I, I'm happy you're you're doing it. You're opening gifts on December 25th, but it's interesting that so few know why they're doing it. Yeah, it is, and it's sad, and I think it's a testament not only to the cultural chaos around us that has been created by Hollywood and the media and the distractions of all of our devices, but also a failure within the church to be making sure that people understand these things. Listen, I I teach college students and I have had students, and I kid you not, it was one of the most shocking things I've ever experienced, who don't know what a nativity is. The word nativity mm. is foreign to them. And when you start to explain it, they still do not know what it is. I don't know. I don't care. Listen, you can be an atheist if you want, but but I don't know how you get to a place in a in our culture where you don't even know the basics of something that is so ingrained in human history, right? The the basics yeah. of that. So, um yeah, it's it's sad and I think it's a it's a call to all of us to say, "Hey, look, and by the way, not just a call, an opportunity. 91% say that they celebrate Christmas. Why don't we start telling people what in the world they're actually celebrating?" Yeah, for sure. That was the immediate thing that I saw. Is like, wow, so many people are open to the idea of Christmas. So let's let's tell them the gospel. Let's tell them the story that we're celebrating. It's interesting to your point too. Uh, Lifeway said in in response to the results of their survey of all the Christmas programs churches offer in December, possibly the most important is simply reading the biblical account of the Christmas story itself, because so few people know it. So it is good to just whether you do you know regardless of what you do tell the christmas story because that's what people need to hear and to your point billy it seems like you know more and more americans are open and eager to hear it potentially uh, even if they don't accept it 
they're open to celebrating Christmas, so maybe they're opening open to hearing the Christmas story. I would imagine, right? I mean, if I'm cel- if I'm celebrating something, I want to understand what in the world I'm celebrating, and you know, re- recognizing that it's not just about gifts. I mean, that's what we've we've kind of allowed Christmas to just become this gift holiday, um, without really looking at the fact that the greatest gift is Jesus. And hmm. to me, though, it's that opportunity. I think it is amazing that 91% of the country celebrates, and I am not a fan of you know, talking about things and shielding things in a way where we don't know what they actually are. And I think we do so much of this in culture. We do it on the abortion discussion. We do it everywhere. And we shouldn't do it with Christmas. I mean, it's Christ missed. That is what it's about. And you're free to celebrate it how you want to, but this is what Christmas is. And I think affirming that and driving that home in a loving way is is good for everyone. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned about teaching college courses and talking with college students. I had a college course when I was several years ago, I was in community college and a literature course I was taking. The professor referenced the Old Testament through, I can't remember what it was we were reading, but she referenced a lot of the Old Testament. And there were a couple students who bristled at that and got angry and, and talked to her later and said, you know, this, it's a violation of separation of church and state to, for you to be even referencing the Bible and to be talking about this at all. And she actually addressed it the next day in our class or the next session in our class. And she said, look, I had some, some of this, some of your classmates who were upset about this. And I just want to say that for the Jewish people, the Old Testament is not some religious book alone. Like it's also the history uh, of their culture. Uh, so it is something that people should just be comfortable to discuss and talk about. We don't need to have this knee-jerk reaction of, oh, I need to reject this just because it's biblical or it's Christian or whatever. You don't have to accept it at the end of the day, but it's certainly something you should be aware of, particularly with, with surveys like this that show 91% of Americans celebrate Christmas, well, that that has its roots in Christianity. So whether you make the ultimate decision to accept it or not is between you and the Holy Spirit. But you should at least be okay to be exposed to it, particularly given you reap the benefits of it. Yeah, preach. I mean, we're all, and that's the thing. Our entire culture is predicated upon these values, and yet everybody runs around and acts as though that's that's not the case. And I also think it's amazing that only 9% of the country doesn't celebrate. I mean, think about that. Mm, yeah. That is le- fewer than one in 10 people are not celebrating Christmas. So we could get all upset and we could go on and on and on about, you know, the, the meaning of Christmas and getting people to understand it. But again, I think the, the main point to me, why it matters is there's an opportunity there. And, you know, what other thing do you have that 91% of the country agrees on, at least the baseline of celebrating the, right. <laughs> the holiday, right? So, so that's pretty exciting in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good place to end it. And that is a good positive way to look at it is this is an opportunity for the church to really shine uh, and go out and talk to people in a time when they're probably the most open to it, which is the holiday season. Uh, so I, I certainly hope that believers who are listening here will take take advantage of that opportunity, talk to their friends, talk to their non-believing neighbors, uh, and invite them to, to celebrate Christmas with you together. So that's all we have for today. As always, for more news from a Christian perspective, Head on over to faithwire.com, cbnnews.com for a daily visit. We've got all kinds of stories there that you don't want to miss. So God bless, and we will see you tomorrow. And I think Dan will be back with us. I think so, too. 